This episode is brought to you by Tabard Inn, new American cuisine in one of Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotels, located in DuPont Circle. For more information, visit tabardin.com. This week on a special bonus episode of Meet and 3, we find out how Brexit could be changing the way that Brits eat. If you're not getting your food from the European Union where Britain gets 30% directly, well, where are you going to get it from? As I put very succinctly, bye-bye fresh peaches from Italy, hello tinned peaches from Florida. Bye-bye fresh oranges, hello tinned oranges. Bye-bye free-range beef, hello hormone-injected beef. Tune in to hear about the UK's struggle to stabilize its food system on Meat and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. What's that? Bird calling? Hey there. This is Emily Pearson. This is the main course OG. Today is Thursday, February 13th, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Patrick Martins and Trig Brown. Hello. Thanks for having us. Oh, How's you know. How's it going, guys? You know, it's been a week. Missed you guys since last week. Everyone's looking uh, fresh and a little rained on. New York has been uh, rainy all week. It's a little dreary. But uh, we're, we're excited to be in the studio today. We have two very special chefs with us. We have Guy Arnone, executive chef of Otto Pizzeria. Yes. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. <laughs> I was going to say also a longtime friend of, of mine, of Heritage, of Patrick's, right. and a disciple of the great butchers, uh, the Machalayos of Italy, Cesare yep. Casella and Dario Cicchini. There's no, not too many better than them. Do you like that intro for yourself? Do yeah. you feel to be tied it wasn't to the great enough. butchers? No, I'm very proud that I've had, I've been uh, blessed to have uh, good teachers. The teachers are important. Yeah. Mentors are special. We also have another longtime friend from the, the, the southern end of things here in the country. Our longtime friend, Robert. I always say your last name wrong, Robert. Is it Sterling? Stelling. Stelling. Yeah, silent H. I, well, I was going to say, there's no R, so I don't know where I was getting that. Stelling. We have Robert Stelling. The H is an unintimidated. It looks intimidating. It intimidates it's a lot, But it's me. often silent. It intimidates me in your name. So Robert Stelling. I like that. Can yeah. we get rid of the H? Uh, you can. Okay. Sure. Wonderful. You can Robert, put two L's in there. Perfect. Yeah. Robert is one of the... <laughs> Robert is the founder of Charleston's probably most famous restaurant, Hominy Grill, and the... We like to call you at Heritage, the patron saint of all things breakfast, biscuits, brunch, an original OG Gotober supporter. Mm, yeah. Thanks for being with us. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks Was for having that intro me. Good morning, okay? everybody. Was that intro okay from her? Did you capture the full Robert Stelling? I, I'll probably do a few edits and, and bring him back next time. It'll kind of <laughs> juice it up a little bit. I see, I see. I, uh, all right, I'm, I'm starting my notes now. Born... At the born in a basket. Born a poor a child in the deep south. <laughs> he rose to fame. Robert, are you a yeah. southerner originally? Yes, I am. Uh, I was born in North Carolina and grew up in North Carolina. So in Charleston, which is in South Carolina, I am 
technically a Yankee. Oh. But, uh, in, in theory, I'm a Southerner. We have a bit of a theme to our show today, very uh, North versus South. So I, you'll you'll give us perspective. I heard in that a bit. they call Southerners call anyone a Yankee that's one town north of them. Is yeah. that true? A- anybody north from above Monk's Corner is pretty much a Yankee. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Very uh, unofficial yet official line, it sounds like. So we always start our show uh, with a game of word association, and we are going to jump right in. Everyone actually has the same word this week. Guy, your last supper. My last supper. This is I get this question a lot. And um, What? I like to ask, like, how many, how many courses? How often do you think about death? Yeah, how many courses are we talking about? But uh, I'd go with... My last supper, I'd, I'd have my, my first solid meal was my family's uh, tomato sauce with uh, pork neck bones. So I'd end it probably the way We would I, do whatever it takes to get that delivery there on time. Well, you know what? It changes with every generation, and in its current iteration, we're doing it with uh, pork shanks that we get from you. Oh, nice. And from Heritage. So you serum, So onions, you're chilies. already working on your last supper. Should we be concerned? Um, right now, no alarming behavior. I'm not, it's not a cry for help. I'm just... I just got hungry and put it on the menu. It's like you will associate death with behavior. Most people would have said a physical thing. So <laughs> what, what? So your parents' tomatoes, Trig? Ooh, Last Supper. Yeah, um, last. I think... Uh, Number one? Ooh, McDonald's. I, no, <laughs> Wendy's. Oh, we know. He's a Wendy's man. No, he likes the number one. I agree oh. with Patrick, yeah. Um, no, I, I don't know. Um... Dollar slice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, stalling here. I, I wanted to. I, I feel terrible. I, I don't know. I like, come back it. to me. I like carne cruda. Carne <laughs> cruda. It's the, it's the Italian version of steak tartare. Robert, your last supper. Well, a lot depends on the situation. If I'm kind of going to the gallows, um, I don't. I think I want my last meal at least 24, 36 hours out. So, um, <laughs> well, you know, my body is empty. You need time yeah, to empty it, yourself. Yeah, you don't I don't want, want to be you know, embarrassed in like, death. I hate you this know, guy. <laughs> I hate this guy. The mortician's like, what the fuck? I certainly would have some, 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 something vegetable based because I don't think I want to go meet the maker with one of his creatures on my breath. So, um, you know, some oh, greens nice. and beans. Last supper, you, uh, maybe some cornbread. No, different things. <laughs> yeah. I really thought you were going to tell me, like, a biscuit with gravy, fried chicken. I don't know. I thought you were going to go, like, heavy. He's worried about the mortician who has to Robert's worried about being judged on his last day. If you don't have it by then, you know, there's no last-minute grab. Yeah, you can't, like, uh, do a full-court shot down the court and expect everything to be okay. Even if you make the shot, it's still only three points. All right. Points. Well, we've got uh, what is this from from first meal to last meal? We've got the the pasta with a, a wonderful pork ragu. You could you could have my from wife's last meal, which would be uh, you'd ask her what are what do you want for your last meal, and she'd ask um, I don't know what do you want. <laughs> she's very differential. Wow, she's a easy person to get along. With. <laughs> that would not be my answer. I would definitely be calling the shots there. Cheese. And, and mm, you'd be yeah, cheese pizza. Probably pizza. Yeah. 
but there's cheese on the pizza. You know, we're is. good there. Trig, you know, we're going to come back to you. You think about it. Think it over. Just, it means that you still have a long life ahead of you. Yeah, yeah. I know. He's like, death, I, I don't He's think like, about yeah, it. Death, when you get I'm to not... be my age, kid, you'll be thinking about it. Trust also, me. I'm not that sentimental. You know, it's like, I, I love my grandmother's stewed tomatoes. They're amazing. But like, you know, I could be, you know, if it was going to be fast food, it would definitely be Bojangles, not McDonald's oh, or Wendy's. Thank you. But we sell to a company, Hobes, that produces uh, what the slice of the ham. Ham for the Bojangles shaped biscuit. It is perfectly sized for them. Robert, are you a, a Bojangles man? No, I'm not. <laughs> is there a southern chain no. that you will? Is your In and Out Burger? No, no, there's none of that. Really? I try to stay away from it as much as possible. Well, that's good. Good, good southern stuff there. All right. So, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we are going to have a, a bit of a, a north and south uh, divide. We have some strong southern northern battle lines in the studio. We have Robert and Trigg representing the southern U.S. Guy, you cover southern Italy through your dad's roots in Sicily. And right. I just learned your mom is from Mississippi. Well, my grandfather was born in Mississippi. My mom was kind of everywhere because uh, she was a Navy brat. But oh. my grandpa was born in Tupelo, Mississippi, birthplace of Elvis Presley. So. That's your claim to fame. That's kind of cool. And Dario Cesare. My great grandfather Elvis. taught piano to kids, um, uh, like for Sunday school. So, good chance he taught Elvis how to play the piano. So, you're welcome. Thank you. Very cool. Wow. And then, obviously, you know, representing the the good old Northern Yankees, we got me and Patrick. Mm-hmm. Although I said I think I just represent New York. I don't know that I can speak for the North as a whole. But we are going to jump in. Our section is called the we call it the Round Robin Weekly Based. We have seven eight questions for the next twenty five minutes. Patrick, Hmm. take us away. Let's talk about the south of Italy in the U.S. There's a huge division between the north and south in both countries, especially culinarily. Let's talk about the differences in cuisine and diet, for that matter. Uh, you want to start off? But let's start. Clearly, off Robert is country. not. A, Robert's not a good example of uh, the Southern diet. He seems to only want vegetables. I was thinking. They I thought you were. I think that's. I know, but I thought you were going to go a little heavier. Agrarian society has a lot of vegetables. I thought you were going to go a little heavier with your cuisine. That was all. Oh. She doesn't like your Last Supper answer. Well, we'll deal with this after the show. But uh, guy, tell us. Speak for the mother country uh, first. Well, <laughs> okay, I was a representative of Southern Italy uh, this morning. Uh, I think anywhere where you have climates that tend to get a little warm and humid, uh, you work a little more with the land, right? So in southern Italy, you don't have a lot of cattle and, and bigger animals. You work more with it's a plant-based diet. It's, you know, the, the proteins are less. Um, things tend to be a little spicier. You start throwing a little more pepper in it. It helps you sweat it out, and it helps cool you down, you know? So that's a, a, a comparison you can make from, say, southern Italy to... Um, the, the American South or even into Latin America or any other countries that have heat mm-hmm. as a climate. What do you guys think? Difference between North South? In the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, what stereotypes? Well, the, the climate, of yeah. course, makes uh, you know big difference. Uh, the South never really industrialized, so it's, it's very much tied to the land in that aspect. But you know the way the the country was settled makes a big difference. In the north, it's it's New England for a reason because people came from straight from Europe and tried to replicate you know the small families farms you know producing dairy and everything they need and mm-hmm. very self sufficient self sufficient communities. And in the south, you know they the people who Europeans who came there came from Barbados and were the you know a few generations removed from Europe, and their goal was to get money. So they uh, cleared land and planted 
money crops. Um, originally, it was going to be sugarcane, but that didn't work out, and they ended up with indigo and rice. But that was super labor intensive, so they imported mass amounts of slaves, more slaves than they could really take care of, and uh, those slaves were left to kind of feed themselves, and they stuck to a lot of their African products, so okra and eggplant, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the peppers, you know, the rice cuisine that grew up there, you know, that became more of a mix. It has much more of, of that kind of cultural influence. And then the South never got the waves of immigration later, you know, with the, the Europeans that came and kind of have made northern cuisine, you know, all this great pizza and stuff up, up here. And you, you can't really find that in the South. Yeah. Well, you don't get a lot of cheese and, and anything in, in the South of Italy, traditionally speaking. You, didn't, you weren't making dairy products. You were working off the land. Where my family comes from in Sicily, the only thing uh, that you can grow there is old. It's just rocks and weeds. So there's a lot of, you know, kind of dandelion, weed-based ragouts, rabbits, goats, small animals. I mean, that was such a good answer to the question from both you guys. Uh, you know, I think we should end the show. Is that what you <laughs> All right. That was Time easy. for the last Thanks, supper. guys. Already? Thanks, guys. And uh, close the station down. <laughs> no more shows today. That was good. Well, Very interesting. Well, I, I was actually yeah. eating a sausage at Dirty French yesterday with Denny Abrams, guy who owns 4th Street in Berkeley. Great guy. And uh, we were eating the pork sausage at Dirty French, and he was like, the southern culture would never make something like this. Mm -hmm. And I was like that. Well, in the north, they have a lot of extra time on their hands, you know, because they're inside. They're more, you know, they're not so much outside. And he was like, no, they actually need the heavy sausage to fortify their bodies yeah. for the cold, you know, when it's, you're going to have a five-month winter. So it, it was a little out of necessity and a little bit that they might have just been more time inside mm -hmm. does dirty french have a uh, cuisine focus i think they're maybe the phenomenon of like these big restaurants big <laughs> continental restaurant huge yeah. shrimp cocktail huge and denny by the way has eaten out every day every single night since 1981 he's you know well to do every single night since he is not someone who enjoys home cooking no or, he, he just doesn't have like not, an active yeah. kitchen in his house and stuff he's single and he says that the way everyone always asks him what's your best restaurant what's your best restaurant and the way he answers that is uh that uh the best restaurant is something that has a dish that redefines that dish so like the shrimp cocktail at dirty french was interesting you know he's like that redefines it so it's great that's a hard moment. one to redefine of all shrimp. things he shrimp also cocktail. said the formula for restaurants 40 40 20 40 ambiance, 40 food, 20 service. Wow. And the, I don't know if that means anything. Or 20 smart. on service seems low. I feel like these days that, that's coming up much more to be part of like ambiance and the whole dining experience. But correct well, me if I'm wrong, Well, how much do you chefs. want your server to be involved with your evening? You know, this is what I want. Bring it out mm. when it's ready. Oh, yeah, it's a fair point. I hadn't long. thought about it like that. Yeah. <laughs> There's a fine line between fine. Being then a the good twenty. Then the twenty percent needs to be like hundred percent. Yeah, on. you better nail that twenty percent. Right. But uh, you know, sometimes you don't want them to be like too chatty. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. That's a good point. Let's talk. What like a diner where the the 
waiter sits down with you and writes out all the 15 appetizers with a pencil at I don't want to meet so, my server and then know about her kids and everything by the end of my first interaction. Alright, speaking of chatty, so t- Valentine's <laughs> Day is tomorrow. Every restaurant's I don't know, favorite, least uh, favorite boy. holiday. Happy day. I, I want to hear everybody's thoughts there, uh, here, obviously. So, we of course know Valentine's Day means a lot of tables for two and set menus and Trey Patrick and I were thinking about it and we think maybe we should just close the bakery tomorrow. Like, the, what, do you, what does that mean for Valentine's Day. Uh, yeah, I mean, I Fast don't know. casual bakery, does that I equal? don't think we, like, you know, Valentine's Day is not, uh, you know, obviously there's a little bit of spike in two tops of the restaurant, but, you know, the people we're catering to are not, uh, you know, going to be taking their dates to, uh, yeah. yeah, the ba- I, you know, we have, like, uh, the bakery menu is, like, burger and fries, you know, um, at, at night anyway. So, uh, you know, not too worried about it. Could be an early Valentine's Day. So, but tell yeah. us, everyone, what does Valentine's Day bring? We want to know, is there more public displays of affection? Are the servers chattier? Do fates break out? Tell us about your history with People Valentine's order Day. Chef, you want to um, take lead on? Sure. Uh, there's not any fights. You know, it's all this two tops. Everybody wants to come at seven. But, you know, we <laughs> did lunch, so we got, you know, secretaries for lunch and wives for dinner. Yeah. You know, occasionally. Oh, occasionally, oh, you know, exactly. somebody sneaking in for a third one in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah. So that always got wow. the servers Did you give the guy the same table? And everything. And then, uh, that's oh, where, that's where the so server long, can't be too chatty. The server's got to watch their tongue. You also have to yeah, make sure you know, they the know staff, the tip's going to roll. The staff doesn't come and be like, you left your doggy bag here last time, earlier today. Well, the, the, the public display of affection level will kind of let you know if it's the, the wife or not. Hmm. But yeah, if it's a lunch, Valentine's. So wait, the wife is less passionate. I'm just saying they've got you know they've got they a busy know each family. Other it's well. Valentine's. They've been through it a couple times, um, but yeah. there have been a couple Valentine's lunches where we've seen someone get a glass of wine to the face. Yeah, <laughs> a good splashing. <laughs> so there's it's not a bad day then. No, it's fun. everyone's splashing. generally happy to be out, right? So or at everyone's least they're celebrating, a good or they're, they're in them. love, or it's it's nice, or um, you know sometimes. Like at Oto, we'll get, you know, maybe they went out for a romantic dinner a couple of years ago and now they've got the kids. So they come to Oto and get pizza and, mm-hmm. and celebrate Valentine's as a family. And so that's fun to see. Well, the opposite end of the spectrum from love is grit. Let's talk about the grit. How, um, how, how does that work? I think Northerners <laughs> think they're too legit to grit. Okay. But uh, I, I don't know right. if that's Patrick true. thinks he's too legit to grit. No. Do you know how to make a grit? No, but I love that scene in My Cousin Vinny where he's like, oh, so the great cook's faster in your yeah. kitchen than in any other kitchen in the known world. Grits are a very Italian dish because of that scene. Polenta, yeah. right? Yeah. So Polenta. can you guys discuss? Northerners can't say the word grits without kind of a snicker in their, in their <laughs> face. And so um, they just you know, call it polenta and, mm-hmm. and go with that. So what do you think? Why is that? Um, Do you think there's a bad stereotype of Southern cuisine or something? I think it's a funny word. You know, it just is fun to say and, and you know. How they, you like your grits? Yeah. yeah. Do you uh, prefer to cook your grits with water or stock? Water. Water. Uh, stock and cream and all that stuff just starts to become something else altogether, you know. So mm-hmm. If you're serving grits all day long, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, yeah, you, you don't have the energy to make up much stock. <laughs> yeah, 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 I hear you. And then, I mean, I've always known of grits as being like shrimp and grits. That's a real yeah. staple. Is there, like, I mean, obviously they, they must be complemented very well by vegetables, but are there other, like, famous preparations for grits? 
Or polenta. Bacon, I don't know. As I look at the Italian. Bacon and fried eggs. That's how you eat breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you yeah. make? Like a little like grit cake? No. Bowl, or it's bowl over it. Grits Cook with it in fried the pot eggs and, in the top yeah. and bacon. And it's so the best thing ever. over had. easy the egg? Yeah. Sunset up over easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of like you guys got cream and wheat and stuff like that. You know, it's, but it's corn. <laughs> and you would always ask people how they wanted their egg, right? Because everyone has a different, or did you have a set prep and that's how they got it? Oh, no, they ordered it the way they wanted. Right. You know, it's breakfast, you know, everybody, what is everybody most, eats it. Can you give us the hierarchy of choice uh, in the South for how people <laughs> want their eggs? Mostly, most people want them over easy uh, or scrambled. Um, a lot of scrambled really hard, really dry. You know, send it back and brown Ugh. it, brown it in the pan. Terrible. It actually gets an interesting texture when you got a big flaky pile of crispy egg, <laughs> but it's not breakfast. Yeah. And what is the uh, the least uh, ordered version of egg? I mean, what are some of the very unusual ones that is like maybe a standard Southern tradition? That or are they just those scrambled over easy sunny side up? The one that always throws the cooks when it comes in are basted eggs. And uh, that you cook it on a flat top, and then you spoon hot butter over top of it, so you never flip it. Instead of being over easy, it has a slightly cooked texture on the top, and that's kind of hard to pull off. And uh, the Basically. cooks always shortcut that, and you know they. Is wanna... that easier to do in a pan than on a griddle? Because like you're. You can at least baste with something with an edge. Can you order a basted egg? I've never heard of it. Yeah. Uh, People do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't let them use the pan. They have to use it on the flat top. It's it's not that hard. Like I've created some requests here for how this is prepared, but that's cool. I've always wanted a different egg. egg. I wanna I wanna see what it's all about. Well, you get a you know big ladle full of butter and it spreads out along the flat top, and then you just keep scooping it with a spatula and drizzles it back on top of it. (laughs) That that way the the butter's super hot, and it cooks it. Basted egg. All right. You heard delicious. it here. <laughs> Gaetano, does that do it for you? I'll be doing that uh, after this. Yeah? Yeah. You, will you put it on a pizza? Maybe I'll put it on some grits. Oh. How, do, how does everyone here feel about eggs on a pizza? Is that like a Americanized brunch thing, or is that actually something that people would do, consider doing uh, we in We got Italy? a couple uh, egged pizzas at Oto, and people like it. The ones that like it come back for it. It's a nice sunny side up egg right on top. So they don't get to choose if they want it over easy? Uh, no, you don't get too many requests, um, but maybe let's not keep the word out that there's an option for scrambling. <laughs> um, in the occasional, uh, maybe someone's pregnant and they can't have an over egg. I, I can scramble. If I can't scramble an egg, like I shouldn't be in that kitchen to begin with. So. <laughs> Fair enough. So the groundhog saw his shadow last week, and uh, it sounds like uh, the warmer season is upon us. We've definitely had a warm winter and really no snow here. So uh, I feel like it has us talking, thinking, thinking good thoughts of spring. Let's talk about seasonality on, on the menu. Because I asked about that also because Trig once said, you know, sustainability, I wouldn't go to a restaurant because of that. I would go to a restaurant because it's good. But a lot of good restaurants are sustainable. So it doesn't have to be, oh, everything's sustainable. So I was wondering, seasonality. Like, yeah. if you don't see seasonality in a restaurant, are you suspicious of it? Or are you just like, hey, whatever is good? No, I mean, there's certain, like, wonderful aspects of seasonal produce. And if you don't embrace them, then you're just kind of missing out on a big part of, you know, the, so yeah. would you look down on a restaurant if you went to a restaurant and you're like, oh my god, it's autumn and I don't see any of the key ingredients that are autumn based? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's more like when you see, you know, a, a you know, 
tomato, like a bruschetta dish or something in the middle of... Uh, Pale in, tomatoes in are mid- never a good thing. Yeah, in the middle of the winter or something. You know, it's like... It, it's you can get good tomatoes from California and you know it's going to be or you know there's always uh ways to get you know good good produce all year round with the way the world works now but you know and and I don't I don't like to judge you know a, you know too too hard No no I don't but, mean but really yeah, judge. but yeah you I know, just mean if yeah I mean there there's definitely uh you, seasonal aspects mm-hmm. that I'm looking for people to be there, yeah. Noting on their menu. But yeah. if it wasn't sustainable, it wouldn't matter. It's funny. It's a chef. It's a yeah. true chef. Now, do you have an issue with local? Like, are you like, hey, this came from too far? Or I mean, to like, a would you get something extent, from Japan and the FedEx? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it, it all depends. You know, I mean, if you're, you know, getting it, it, it just really is super situational. I, I don't think it needs. To, I think hyper local is like kind of a fad. I think it should be local if you can do it. If it's sustainable, but if it's you know, if it's so expensive that it's not affordable because it's, you know, a mile down the road and you're getting the same quality from, you know, from Virginia, then I'm going to get the Virginia product. Well, we had Jessamine Rodriguez from uh, Daily Provisions on last week, and, and she was saying it's it's really about quality and it's about yeah. making sure that yeah. it's a product and a or a or a business that you believe in and that you want to support. It's not so much about is it local or is it the cool trendy thing right now, but it's about choosing ingredients that make sense for the business. Is that with the case with you, Robert? Were you, or did you have more pressure to really show the locals there? That that pressure built over a while. Our you know feeling is is we wanted local. You know we wanted local bank. We wanted local. You know linen company as, as much as we can from an economic standpoint is to keep all that together in the community. The distance that it was grown from the restaurant was not really ever a definition of local that we looked at. Uh, being on the coast kind of halves our <laughs> range. <laughs> um, although we have great seafood, so, you know, uh, it, it's, a, it's, you know, you make up for it. But the the idea of local being something that you really look for is, is, is you know, it's just over, so overblown and overused. You know, if, as a chef, you're, you're looking for the seasonal, you're, you're excited, you're, you're getting it. And, you know, local makes sense in a lot of ways, but if it's not good, it's not good. How did you watch that change, I guess, over the trajectory of the restaurant? You know, you were a pioneer business in a, a specific neighborhood. In Char- Remind me the name of the neighborhood in Charleston. Uh, we're in Ansonboro. Okay. And you were a pioneer there. I mean, it was, you know, you were the very early wave of Charleston being a booming restaurant city, that a destination. I mean, now it's every person I hear is going to spend a four-day weekend at least because there's so many restaurants that they want to hit. You know, did you see that that changed, I guess, from the early days to later on about where you sourced from and how you sourced? Or Well, people became much more aware of it and then, you know, People uh, jumped in and started really using it as a sell point, and you know, putting it on their Instagram, and all, you know, they're having birthday parties out at the farms, and you know, it, it's an industry. You know, mm-hmm. um, we have a, you know, over the years got a uh, hub that is run by the Coastal Conservation League, Grow Food, and they, you know, bring in farm vegetables and made it a lot easier to have access to that. Um, so it, it, it's become more available and less of a thing, though, now. So 
guy is it uh it can be shankless uh, to to cook seasonally <laughs> but uh tell me what you uh think uh, yes yeah, seasonality is yeah. always you know especially with italian food and um, the mediterranean diet uh, it can get a little tricky because you know i think last four years uh we've had heirloom tomatoes and white truffles have been available at the same time which didn't happen before so seasons are kind of bleeding into other seasons um, some chefs, some restaurants, like, you know, it's the first day of spring and that menu just explodes yeah. with spring mm -hmm. You're like, what and the it's fuck just not doing? there yet. Yeah. You know, it's like, wow, they just got every spring ingredient possible on <laughs> the menu today. It used to be, you know, fiddleheads and sting nettles would come in. So you knew it was happening. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get those ramps, man. Have you heard anyone got the ramps? Where's the ramps coming from? What do you got? How much you pay? And they're paying, they're paying a lot of money and maybe they're not that great. You know, we have a responsibility to make good food for the customers, but it also has, we have a responsibility to the to the owners, to the restaurant, to make it profitable and, and consistent. And consistent. Uh, now, uh, was there pressure to uh, bring on uh, new ingredients from them? I mean, do you have to always come up with something new? I mean, you also have to maintain tradition, but also yeah, you want them. You want the rec the restaurant to be recognizable to people when they come in, especially people that have been with you for 20 years. Things that will never come yeah. off the menu. You know, Oto's a pizzeria 20 years ago, you know, you had, you know, a, the slice joints and that was about it. Now you can throw a rock and hit a really good pizza place. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to keep doing what you're doing. You're going to try to spice it up. And I, yesterday was my one year anniversary at Oto. Before that, I was at Babo for a long time. So I was able to kind of bring a lot of the same families food and make it accessible and um, put a little spin on what we were doing uh, at Oto. So. Is Italian food just cooking seasonally and locally? I mean, or do, are certain ingredients need Italian to be represented? Is, Italian, most of the, the legwork's been done for you over the last thousand or two years. Mm -hmm. So you, if you just don't screw it up, uh, there's a lot of tradition in Italian food. Um, you just, my, I like to say, you just pick which story you like the best and that's the one that you go with for whatever it is you're doing. Um, as far as the history of a dish. So there's, and it's a very personable cuisine. You know, everyone is, you know, if their grandma made something or their friend made something, it's, it's one well, of grandma's is the best. So, you know, good luck, man. That's what I mean. <laughs> Italian food is anything everywhere. I mean, you could be in China and make, cook Italian yeah. just with whatever's there. It's like, it's a very, yeah, I mean, personal I guess you need the experience. tomato. You kind of need a tomato, right? It's hard to find tomato paste sometimes in Taiwan. Oh, does tomato paste count as a substitute when you don't have fresh tomatoes? I mean, you know, sometimes you need tomato paste yeah. and you don't need fresh tomatoes. Thickened. I always thought it was just a thickener. I didn't know it could be a full-on substitute for tomatoes. I no, think no, it's, no. A, it's usually a I'm component. <laughs> but his point is is that Italian food with the tomato yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of uh, sauce did not make its way to Taiwan. Hard to find. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're like, you know, when you want to make a, uh, a sauce and, you know, toast toast tomato paste to build the sauce and you know it's and you know tomato paste is definitely not a substitute for tomatoes but it's definitely an ingredient used differently than a fresh tomato so mm -hmm. um you know if you can you know uh, obviously a tube of tomato paste in the grocery store is different than like uh you know locally made yeah, you know, yeah. Di you know, artis artisanal product but um you know regardless that that tomato paste adds character to your sauce or whatever you know in a different way. So if you can't find that, it's uh, it can you know change the nature of what you're making. Well, speaking of adding character, 
each of your restaurants has added character to a kind of unvisited, unpioneered neighborhood. I mean, it's funny. The heart of the West Village was not known for tons of great restaurants. And Babo and Otto <laughs> opened within two blocks of each other, and it's a destination. It's like the hottest corner, you know, in the city killing early for years. Bushwick. I'm sorry. Tell me the neighbor of your neighborhood again, Anson. Robert, in Charleston. Ansonsburg. Ansonsburg. So what, what's it like pioneering a neighborhood? Well, when we first opened, people commented that they wouldn't want to come up to that neighborhood at night because they would get stabbed in the parking lot. So we had to overcome that. Is that why that. you were purely a daytime That's business? That's a good neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. You're like, we've closed our parking lot. It's safe. <laughs> we will not serve dinner. Breakfast and lunch only. Well, you know, the finances were really unstable and you know, I needed the money. <laughs> It oh. is very sad that certain neighborhoods. That's dangerous. This well, neighborhood right here, was Bushwick, dangerous. for sure. I think it's been more painful to watch it gentrify. Uh, you know, as of, over the time that we were there, um, you know, it was the my joke was that you know, when we opened the restaurant, the employees all lived in the neighborhood and worked there and walked, and the customers drove. And then over time, that changed, and the employees were having to commute. 45 minutes to get to work and the customers were all in new townhouses all over the neighborhood so um, and then uh, Airbnb started rolling into the neighborhood and that changed the character so you know it was that part is painful that you've missed the old neighborhood yeah the old know? neighborhood yeah I, I, see, and, I moved to New York 10 years ago and was already pretty gentrified and the, the people in my block that have been there for forever born and raised in the bottom man Ten years ago, you couldn't walk down the street without getting stabbed. Those were the good old days. <laughs> really? Yeah. Huh, okay. Good old days, good. all right. The only thing I fear is random violence. Uh, organized violence, I mean, you know, no one's going to pick on you anywhere, anytime, even in the 70s or 80s, you know, I mean, 60s, there wasn't... There was, you know, but there might have been more random violence, and that is terrible. But I think that's also what was coming out of a lot of these neighborhoods, was the random, the, the fight that wasn't supposed to happen, the wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, there was, I don't know, I, I feel like there's less random violence now. I think well, I think uh, there's still plenty of bad neighborhoods to find. We just have to go out there and find them. Yeah, so yeah. are we all going to open a restaurant in whatever them. that yeah. next let's, bad neighborhood is? Let's go open restaurants in bad neighborhoods and make them better. So, your, your restaurant, yours was the first, uh, well... I mean, we're you know, li literally watching it gentrifying right now, which is, you know, it definitely is a little sad uh, to see in certain, <laughs> certain rights, but it's also, you know, exciting in the sense that, you know... People will be able to continue to come to the restaurant, um, and we'll be able to continue to have new customers. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's we're still in like a, you know, somebody got stabbed several times like a couple weeks ago. I got stuck you know, in man, traffic really? trying to make a Friday delivery to you for like an hour. <laughs> yeah. Are there any apartments available? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, if if that, you know, I, I don't know the our. What we def definitely just want to make sure that we're always, you know, accessible to is folks that have been in the neighborhood for a while. So, you know, nothing on our menu is over, like, $23. It's a very, you have a very um, interesting place. He's really redeveloping that neighborhood of Graham Avenue. It's very, very fascinating to see with both spots and the clients that live there mixing with the other cultures. It's great. Yeah. You know, it, well, I think a lot of people are, uh, you know, sadly kind of scared of the neighborhood because it's you know, pro uh, sandwiched by a housing project and a NYCHA project so I think people you know thought you know to populate up into until Grand and then it's kind of skipped over Mantra stop on mm -hmm. the L train corridor so uh, but now uh, now definitely there's just a ton of people over there but um, you know both your buses are so successful 
uh, I mean, impact. It's great. Yeah. Well, so speaking of neighborhoods, ascending and, and descending, is that what you're going to ask or no? I was going to ask if if there was another neighborhood and or city that you would like to succeed in. Yeah, what's like, an ascending city for you guys? That wasn't my question, but That's okay. The same. All right, fine. <laughs> Which what's an ascending what's an ascending city for anyone but where would you personally like to su- succeed outside of the city you're currently in uh well listen i came to new york 10 years ago and uh because i wanted to be around exceptional uh people and so i've been fortunate to work amongst them i don't think it's a i don't have a specific uh, i want to go to that town and make it happen i think it's i think in this business it's a pretty thankless business so you want to go where you can have the most impact so sometimes going to a, a smaller market or a smaller town and you can um, show people some things that maybe they haven't experienced before that's rewarding uh, would you go to like a Tumwa, Iowa or some Tampa, Kansas? I don't know if it seemed like a nice place to be like I have to be happy there you know you spend so much time uh, in a kitchen that you want your time out of it to be enjoyable um, you know like I was visiting with a guy I worked with with Cesare Casella Aaron Oster moved up to North Adams Massachusetts a little town northwestern Massachusetts not a lot of maybe 9,000 people and he went up there started making barbecue and people love it you know just because there's not a whole lot of options around there so he's having a big impact on on where he is he's also based in their museum of modern yeah. art which is just such a fantastic That's a mass spot. mocha yeah it's like yeah. you take a little bit of you're guaranteed a little bit of culture, though. It's like yeah. you left New York or you left a big city, and yeah, you know that at least you're still going to be surrounded by a lot of people are coming to you. It you looks know? like a lot of, you know, just people are just out there in the country. It's fine. And then you talk, I'm like, no, I lived on Madison. And, uh, you know, <laughs> they, they all left the city. I had to get out of there. Yeah. Well, Mass Mocha is amazing. It, like, has a massive room of massive instruments where kids can just yeah. run around and play all the, like, a drum yeah. the size of, like, a... A basketball hoop. They got uh, galleries that are three football fields long. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. But, so it's, it's good art. But again, it's a small town, but he's he's having a big impact. So, um, I, you know, that's a cool place. Uh, there's a lot of cool places. Maybe go back to Panzano and Chianti and hang out with the butcher again and be in a small town. But like what would you there. do there? You couldn't create what, what's a vegetarian restaurant. <laughs> oh, I see. What about you, Robert? Robert, what's an ascending southern city that you could find yourself in i don't think i'm that interested in moving to an ascending southern city they're all kind of nouveau feeling um you know all all cities in the south are, are filling up with people you know a lot of yankees yeah 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 you know some places like places like raleigh and durham have have a lot of exciting stuff going on now and they're in a great area as far as the you know agricultural support and producers and stuff i think though if i was going to start over in another city i would in the south i would go to new orleans not that they need another great restaurant but i need to be there yeah. <laughs> it's calling your name yeah at this point i don't want to go out uh, in the sticks and and start you know regentrify something else i want to kind of enjoy a already gentrified location <laughs> New Orleans is supposed to be a fantastic place. I think it's essentially three I neighborhoods. Been... I forget what they're called. They're three neighborhoods, right? And then Bourbon Street, and then and then there's like a river that is serves as the border. New Orleans is like you can go out and any bar at any time of night has an amazing house band, and the people are just charming and nice, and the music's good, and the food is great, and I don't know why all of us don't live there. What about Nashville? Is that a great music town? It's the music town, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, Nashville's a grand. I've never seen Nashville like behind the scenes. I've only seen it like as the the honky tonk bars, like the 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 tourist part. Yeah. But Nashville I think that if you know where to go, very white city, like that's white music. Uh, New Orleans seems maybe more Creole influence and all that. And then there's Memphis, which is actually not the best downtown to go. I I, I wish Beale Street always had been more romantic and Memphis beautiful. Memphis is very disappointing. They still have like vans oh. go driving down those No, Memphis is is not even trying to be touristy. There's one short street. It's, no, you're right. That's just funny. Talk I, about wrong place, wrong time. We were in the middle of a fight out. breaking out at Why a restaurant. Why would they allow traffic on that block? I mean, just don't no driving. Wait, one of your best friends what? One of my best friends is from Memphis, so I just love to hear people say things like that. It's such I a just, it's a great town. We fly just. into Memphis to go visit one of our farmers, David Newman, in, in Missouri, and it's just, I I don't know, Patrick, yeah, you've been going there for 10 years. I don't even think the anything is The challenge for that town is to around. turn Beale Street into a more appealing place for tourists because there is so much history there. I mean, that's There's a great city museums. is failing the town. And the South, because Beale Street just isn't... Uh, I mean, your kid could get run over by a van on this little band street. I mean, there, there need to be other stores. There need to be a good restaurant serving good coffee. You know, Elvis and Graceland can't carry that town for much longer. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, there's they Sun can't. Studios. That's my favorite well, space. Well, you got Sun Studios so and much history. Graceland. Yeah, and there's some, there's some good museums, but yeah, it's not... There's nothing else cultural. Like there, there's history. Yeah, there's history and museums and, and learning about the past, but where is the future of Memphis? I don't know. It's more Elvis, I think. It's just keep... I guess so. <laughs> all right, Elvis. we have a very important question before we go to a quick break. We are a food show after all, and this week was the Westminster Dog Show. Patrick was there himself. He would like to know, if you had to eat one breed of dog, uh. what would... Which one would you eat and why? And I would how eat would that you prepare poodle, it? Because I don't want to, it didn't deserve to win. The ultimate justice, it gets eaten. <laughs> the standard I want to buy poodle. it and then eat it. Well, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad I you think brought this... that butcher, how to butcher a poodle while you butcher uh. pack it. That poodle <laughs> should it. win. I don't like the way they're cut. What an uncomfortable dog. They should, anyway. I don't Scotty like those poodles. I just don't understand what's with the. The hairstyling of what? Why is that part of the dog show? Isn't it supposed to be based on like commands and their teeth and their body structure? What's with the grooming component? It's I, not so much commands, other I than that they, they, they walk politely. Yeah, I, I just like I the announcer. It. Like it's the it's the American Malamute, good with children and good apartment dogs. Originally, uh, originally <laughs> a worker, now. Uh, House dog. Well, the Malamute. The toy dogs are funny because they're like, this dog has no purpose other than to be your <laughs> yes. companion and possibly alert you to intruders. This dog fits in a purse on the subway. <laughs> the Shih Tzu. Shih Tzu. Often approved as an emotional support dog. Yeah. I think you have another career in the in your I back pocket here. The dog You've been a great announcer. Yeah, yeah. The you Jack know? Russell Terrier, bred to get rats, now a funny dog and barks a lot. The Jack Russell <laughs> Terrier. If, Jack Russell. If you if you know Anchorman, then you know about <laughs> yeah, the Karen Terrier. <laughs> the Poodle. Patrick would like to eat one. He doesn't like you. <laughs> the Poodle. <laughs> All right. On that note, we have to take a very quick break, and we will be right back with a little bit more with Robert and Guy. This episode is brought to you by Tabard Inn. Tabard Inn, Washington, D.C.'s quintessential hotel, is located on a quiet, tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant yet unassuming, the Tabard is comprised of 40 sleeping rooms, 
each unique in character and design. Feast on an eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant, or enjoy a cocktail and listen to live jazz in one of their cozy Victorian seating areas. Mingle with travelers from around the world who find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com. All right, and we're back. We are broadcasting live on Heritage Radio Network from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This is the main course OG, and we've been in studio with Guy Ornone and Robert Stelling. Welcome back, guys. Great to be here. Good All morning. the letters. Yeah, I thought you were going to give us a, a, a special announcer voice, Gaetano. Couples only. Couples only on the rink. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your ideal Valentine's Day? That's right. We're going to go to. We're going to go to the skate rink. Ladies' choice coming out now. Looking hot. We're going counterclockwise. <laughs> Remember those days? Counterclockwise. Aya Kamozi. Here comes the hot stepper, kids. Last skate. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Is that what you're doing for Valentine's Day? Are you going skating? No, I'm, I'm cooking. You're cooking. I'm working in the kitchen. For now. So right. Robert, yeah. but first of all, before I mispronounce it, all the letters are pronounced in Robert, right? Okay. Yeah. It's not a soft yeah. Robert. Yeah. Ta- can you tell us your Bill Murray story? <sighs> Bill Murray story. Yeah, sure. Um, we had a prep kitchen, and um, a kind of uh, half son of his was working in our prep kitchen that we weren't really aware of his relationship and one day the door swung open and Bill Murray poked his head in and just kind of looked from side to side and everybody looked up and whoa Bill Murray and he he, uh, he says Caleb here I have a bicycle for him so he wheels in a bicycle for his son and gives him the bicycle and Caleb you know is not very excited about it, and so the, it went back in the storeroom and stayed there. And a, a few days later, Bill, Bill Murray shows back up, and he, he brought Caleb a lock for his bicycle. And he brought Caleb a really nice new lock. And after he left, Caleb was said he said uh, he, he spent more money on the lock than he did on the bicycle. <laughs> but you also had no idea that this guy who worked for you was uh, related to Bill Murray. No, no. Um, why very, did he give subtle. him the bike? The bike was just because he was—he didn't like that he was walking, or. or yeah. I you know I don't know his so uh, sense of, of providing for him or whether. What kind of bike was it? A it was kind of a bike. beater, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I assume that it was coming from some somewhere else, and he was passing it on. But the, then the, the the brand new lock showed up, which would you know keep a bike in New York. Um, <laughs> firm and in place and in South Carolina at most all you do is turn it upside down so it takes somebody a little bit longer to turn it up and then you run out <laughs> and stop them <laughs> or they see it and they're like too much trouble to turn it over so keep walking yeah little known fact Bill Murray lives in Charleston Robert what, what actually uh, brings you to New York this week any uh, besides the show well yeah besides wanting to see us I know you've been, uh, we've been itching to have you on and to visit and uh, it's been a while uh, yeah well I've got a couple of projects uh, talking to somebody about doing some consulting and uh, opening a hominy store online so we'll see how those work out mostly uh, I got I, I'm piggybacking on my wife's suitcase so she had to come up for work. and I, She's in the theater, right? She is. She's an opera producer. and They wow. were doing a photo shoot, and then they couldn't get it together. So we ended up having a nice little Valentine's week in, in New York. 
Very nice. She does amazing work with schools and children too, right? In theater. Uh, some, had? some. She's she's uh, has been producing the summer, the opera at the Fisher Center at Bard in the summers. That's been her, oh, right, her right. big steady gig, uh, the last few years. So, very cool. Well, yeah. we're gonna look for the the grit on the online hominy store, right? Uh, yeah. Are yeah. we gonna be able to buy? Will it be already cooked food or or? Do you have the hominy.com domain name? That'd be cool. You better get it. Yeah. Before I was we get smart out. You heard it here first. I so many. <laughs> I hope some. I do, but who knows? Someone's <laughs> getting it right now. It's probably Cesare Casella. Yeah, He's I really... think I take the, the, the hominy and the webcam. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about Hoda. Which one of us is more the Hoda character? Uh, the Hoda. Emily, okay, me, the, or Trey? Today show? Yeah, well, Hoda it's Hoda and Jenna. and Jenna. Hoda and Jenna Bush. I got to do the Today Show uh, a couple weeks ago and cook, and that was just a wild three minutes. It's like I love Hoda. Hoda's cool. Yeah, uh, yeah it's you know I've, I've done some local TV, and so I kind of knew. All right, you're here, and the camera's there, and you try to smile, but then you get down to Rockefeller Center, and it's like, oh man, this is a this is a much bigger deal. And you see Al Roker come, hey man, it's, what the fuck, Al Roker? And then they, they start counting you down in five, four. And then Hoda goes, how do you say your name? <laughs> Gaetano Arnone. She goes, yeah, you're going to say that. Hey, okay, so we're back at the, <laughs> the, the chef. She's what? like, I will mispronounce that. Yeah, you're going to say that. It's Gaetano. And then, well, uh, she protects herself so oh, that yeah, she always looks pristine it. and doesn't mess anything and up. So and if you anything, kinda, you're the deer in the yeah, headlights. You just go through the he knows his minutes. name. When they tell you right at that last second, you probably are yeah. like, Listen, you're like, what do I say, if I say now? my name? You got wrong. Carson Daly staring you down. It's hard to remember. You're like, Ryan Seacrest. I mean, Guy Arnone. <laughs> right. Yeah, so it was, it was a fun experience. And, um, you know, it's, it's over really fast. I don't remember much of it. Uh, Good thing it's on national do they, television. What do they do? They make fun. I mean, in the old days, like when shefs were to go on the late night talk show guys, mm-hmm. uh, they would kind of. <laughs> no, they kind of wanted to them. make it, and they have a, a really, really good crew um, in their kind of the kitchen setup, and so they get everything ready for you. And the chefs can be as involved or not as they want. Uh, you go in, you kind of just go through the steps. It's all really kind of prepared, and you've got about three minutes. And Hoda and Jenna got back there and made stuff with me, and. Was and Alan then you always have office? to have the finished. You always have to yeah, have the finished product. You have the finished plate. That's done ahead of time, so it looks nice. And uh, you tell them, kind of, check the recipe online, and that was it. Kathy Lee stopped by that day, so everyone was drinking. So everyone was drinking. <laughs> yeah. Did Did you nail it? I mean, did you get it perfect? Yeah, I, I your, just your remember stick? during it, like, I didn't cut myself. Was, Don't cut yourself on television. Don't spill something on Hoda on television. <laughs> But did you say witty things? Did you uh, say anything uh, observant? Or? I, I, I think I did. It was the first time... I don't know, man. You don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember detail. much of it, and then watching it was weird too. So, it's but a, national TV, like, would you do it again? It was national TV, but uh, of course I'd do it again. It's always good for for business. What was your butt? It's, it's the third hour. No, you know, I called my mom, and we're I'm from Southern California, and so they called everybody. Guys, gonna be on TV tomorrow, but because they tape delay it, uh, 10:30 uh, Pacific is 1:30, so the Trump impeachment preempted the entire thing, so no one oh. on the West Coast got to see it. Uh, I got white broncoed. Yet another injustice <laughs> related to Donald Trump. <laughs> and that was it. So moms, everyone's calling me. You're like, don't worry, there will be a link online. Yeah, so hopefully <laughs> hopefully enough people got angry by that. Did Al, was Al standing behind a panel with Al weather Roker. behind him? Al or? was just kind of popping through. 
every once in a while. But I did get to see the the Smuckers um, uh, birthday thing because Willard Scott used to yeah. do. Damn, and I was, in the, I was in the green room doing the same thing. Hey, what? it's uh, Mabel Francis, 102 years old, looking great. Topeka, Kansas. Hey, we got Merle. You would be great at yeah. that. 102, looking sharp and young as ever. All right, Smuckers. Oh, no, is Smuckers a sponsor? No, 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 Heritage. I don't think so. Did, it's the uh, Heritage Centennial Birthday Hour. Does Al Roker do that now? Or does, yeah, Roker does yeah. it now. How many people are over 100? I would there think was a lot more. On, there yeah. was like, you would get like one a week with Willard Scott. <laughs> yeah. Now it's just like, and for our 702-year-old woman. Everybody's yeah, exactly. living a and lot said, Looking great. And for the people on life support, still kind of alive. Yeah. Anyway. So, I love that that exists. I love Hoda. I love Kathy Lee, the morning show people. Although they're vicious to each other. <laughs> they're having a lot of fun. Like, that's what I noticed. Like, everyone seems Behind to be in the a scenes. pretty good mood. Matt Lauer, like, backstabs this person. Like, they didn't get this story. I mean, it can be a tough Hey, listen, I've too. been, like, but how Hoda's many guys great. did you come up with in a kitchen that you worked next to every day that you wanted to burn? You know, like, you work with people. Sometimes you don't like everyone you work with, but you got to go to work. Or you marry them. Are you looking at Yeah, that's why they compare it to a family. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think they look like they have so much fun. And then when they do the recaps, like at the end of the year, no, they were they're showing, like I, I yeah. was watching towards the end of the year, they were showing like everything they had, they did as a team in 2019 and all their, you know, offset stuff that was produced and Al and, um, oh no, I can't remember like, what the a other cool anchor's name. I, I'm blanking on his name. Um, Matt Lauer. No, no, no. Anyway, he's not blanking on his name, but like they go into uh, they did like cryogenic chambers and, and Charlie like, Rose, Charlie Rose. They're having a Strong lot channel. of they're having a lot of fun. Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. I always sort of yeah. that was something I always. Wish I'd like I to have a window did. with a bunch of people yeah. screaming happily for me outside yeah. every day while I did my job. All right, so you went on the show to promote Oto. What, what's what's new at Oto? Anything well, can, let's say I just have my to? first uh, anniversary uh, at Oto, and so we're just changing things up. We got Valentine's Day tomorrow. Come on down, couples. We got, uh, we're getting ready for kind of to celebrate Carnival. It's a star, you know, Italian Mardi Gras. So we're going to be doing some kind of Venetian stuff and some cool dishes there. And then, you know, it's getting into spring. So, you know, the, the, the best season's the next season, mm-hmm. food-wise. Very nice. Now we need a pizza. Maybe with an egg on Anything there. special wind sun? New menu item or anything? Ooh, um, well, I mean, we just put some, it's not a seasonal item, but we just put, uh, we got these... This bean paste from Taiwan, imported from Taiwan by my friend Lisa from her uh, pantry company called Yunhai. Um, so we have this new firewood bean paste noodle dish. It's really hmm. tasty. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we're gonna wait for uh, wait for spring to to actually come before doing doing any real changes. But you know, spring is a big change. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, a few things change. You got to get some get some new stuff in. It's fun. All right, Robert. Yeah. Any best bites since you've been in New York? Mm, I went to Anton last night. That was really best bite. Um, we had some great sushi. I forget the name of the place, but I can I can get myself in front of it without a map. So that's fine. Um, mm, some disappointments this trip. Oh. So um, pray tell. No, just kidding. Don't I mean, I kind of want to know, but you well, know, we won't put you on the spot. Kind of so much fast casual now, and they. they Feel like these empty kind of boxes and yeah. the stuff coming out of them and if you don't know where you're going and you're hungry and you end up in one it's disappointing so um that's that's big change for new york since i lived here decades ago or one of the many changes but 
right. Shitholes well, like Winsome Bakery. <laughs> no, just kidding. Well, but, you know, uh, we got a, we got a few is... good places you can definitely eat today. And uh, no, I, but I see what you mean. I, I, I think there's. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You have to be an educated eater. Not yes. everything is a well, good place. Well, go check out this place, Winsome Bakery. It's fast casual. It's just down the block. You can walk. Oh yeah, it is. A, it is a very good version of what you say in many places miss. It's also though, like so, you know, it's a. It's not like we just popped up in a random place. You know, it's a. It's like a puzzle piece fitting to the other restaurant. So yeah, I and the totally community, which you. is baker filled with bakeries. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's yeah, a yeah. bakery tetwar there. Yeah. It grows out of the cement. Mid gentrification. <laughs> <laughs> Good bread now with less stabbing. <laughs> but we still get You heard it here. The voice of Heritage Radio. Yes, you, you should do. I want Guy. you to be our uh, CN. This is CNN. James Earl Jones. <laughs> this broadcast brought to you by <clears throat> pigs. They're only delicious. That's really all they're there for. We should just pay James Earl Jones to be like Heritage Radio Network. I like Guy. Right, he's pretty good. I'm much cheaper than James Earl Jones. <laughs> God, do the poodle thing again. Talk about eating the poodles. I'm yeah, not gonna, sign, us, sign us off, the yeah, main that. course OG. Do our official sign off. Today we want to recap about the poodle. It's got balls of hair on its hips to keep it warm. It's lean, so you'll have to braise it. Patrick doesn't like you. Poodles. Thanks, guys. Thanks for a great show, guys. This is the main course OG. Uh, Stick around for a taste of the past, and we will see you next week. The main course OG is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.